you notice when reading in the book of Psalms, in our Bibles, the psalmist seems to have an unquenchable thirst and a longing for God. Numerous passages, numerous verses in the Psalms indicate that he had a deep desire and a perpetual longing for a closer walk and a more in-depth walk with Almighty God. In fact, one place he said, one thing I have desired, one thing, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Indicating that he wanted to be in God's presence. Amen. He also said in another place, Lord, all my desire is before you and my sign, sign is not hidden from you. Oh, how I long to be in your presence. Our key verse and text this morning comes from the Psalm 63rd chapter, verses 1 and 2. Where the psalmist says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. There again we see his indication that he just could never be satisfied. Now before you get too harsh with the psalmist and think that doesn't sound so good, if when the day comes that we become satisfied with where we are in our spiritual walk, we have missed the mark tragically. He said, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. The psalmist knew who God was. He had quite a relationship with God, but he wanted more. He wanted something fresh and something new. And He said, so I have looked for you in the sanctuary. In your dwelling place, I have looked for you, he said, to see your power and your glory. Amen. There's a little worship course that we sing around here from time to time that goes like this. Will you help us sing it this morning? Draw me closer to you. Draw me closer to you. From where I am, draw me closer to you as I raise my hands to you Lord take my life and make it new I give you all so draw me closer to you let's sing it again as we pray unto him Oh, draw me closer to draw me closer, draw me closer. Oh, yes, and where I am, draw me. Oh, draw us closer, oh God, to you. As I raise my hands to you. Lord, take my life and make 
said in Jesus name my 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 what a sweet and holy presence I feel here Lord draw me closer right from where I am right now draw me closer to you as I raise my hands and surrender to you take my life take my life And make it new. I give you all. So draw me closer. Draw me closer. Let's sing it one more time before we preach. Thank you, praise team, so much. I want to preach for a few moments this morning, if I may, or perhaps a better term is minister, about an unquenchable thirst. An unquenchable thirst. Let me ask this question, and it's a very direct and very pointed question that I ask you this morning, do you find yourself feeling desperate and longing for the power of the Holy Spirit today? Do you find yourself feeling desperate and longing for the power of the Holy Spirit today? If not, perhaps you have a misunderstanding of who you are and who the Holy Spirit is. Now, Let me pause there for a moment and just say a few things regarding the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. I sense, 
at least from a few, that when I address the subject of the Holy Spirit and its power, they kind of imagine or envision, if you will, especially if you've had the background that many of us have had in the Pentecostal movement and the Pentecostal church and kind of get this envision, if you will, of people running around the church and leaping for joy among numerous other demonstrations and we have the mindset that that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, it can be a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit, but that's not the power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen folks run around the church when it wasn't the Holy Spirit's motivation at all. I've seen some unusual behavior accredited to the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit had nothing to do with it. Amen? I've seen as well as many of you the demonstrations in service that was not of the Holy Spirit's influence. However, that does not negate nor diminish the need for the power of the Holy Spirit in our church and in our lives. When I discuss and address the subject of being filled with the Holy Spirit and its power, I'm talking about being so filled and consumed with His Holy Spirit that we only have to quietly whisper to someone on the authority of God's Word, be healed in Jesus' name and it is done. We only have to speak softly, Satan, get behind me on the authority and power of God's Word, and He takes flight. Amen? So keep that in mind as we minister this morning. You see, every aspect of our salvation is dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That's in the Bible. Every aspect of our salvation is dependent on the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't know God. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't know Scripture and understand it. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot overcome sin. Without the Holy Spirit, we will not be transformed into the, you know, uh, uh, it will not transform the people around us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And the fact of the matter is, we are spiritually impotent without the Holy Spirit. Everybody go like this. Amen. So it is vital that we have the right understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And before you kind of want to say to me, well, Pastor, you know, I've been around a long time. I've been saved many, many years. I, I think I understand. Just just stick with me for a little bit and, and, and humor me, will you? Just kind of humor me for a little while. Humanity's need for God's Spirit goes all the way back to the beginning. Adam and Eve rebelled against God in the garden, and humanity has been rebelling ever since. You see, the history of Israel is a powerful reminder that human beings cannot faithfully follow God without the Holy Spirit. I can't get up here and preach without the Holy Spirit. God pinpointed Israel's problem in Ezekiel chapter 36. Simply, he told them, you got a heart of stone. They were spiritually dead, if you will. They needed a new heart and a new spirit. And God's solution to this problem involved nothing short of a complete transformation of his people. In fact, here's what he wrote, or here's what he said to the folks in Ezekiel's day. Then, talking about a time to come when he would pour out his spirit upon humanity, then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean, and I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness and from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. 
I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Amen. What God's people needed then and what God's people need now was the spirit and is the spirit of the living God. They needed to be changed from the inside out and empowered by the very presence of God in their lives. Amen? Now, I will admit, this may have sounded far-fetched and somewhat strange to these Israelites when Ezekiel told them this. After all, you recall they stood terrified at the base of Mount Sinai when God spoke with Moses on the mountaintop. They didn't want anything to do with that. Too scary and too spooky for them. They fell on their faces as God's glory filled the temple. They had to be so cautious with God's presence dwelling in the tabernacle and in the temple of their day. How could this all-powerful God, oh, this great and mighty Creator, possibly dwell within the stained and fragile human beings that we are? Yet this miracle is the exact reality that we find in the New Testament. It is the solution to humanity's rebellion. It was the solution to my rebellion. Amen. It was the solution to my becoming new. It was the culmination of God's plan of redemption when He poured out His Spirit on, on humanity. Amen. When Jesus told His disciples of the Holy Spirit's coming... He was not implying that the Spirit had not yet come into existence or that the Spirit was previously inactive in the world. The Holy Spirit was active in creation and in God's redemptive work in the Old Testament. However, the Old Testament pointed ahead to a time when God's Spirit would work in humanity in a new and very powerful way. Amen. I think it's important that we're careful. Not to the extent that we should fear the discussion, but I think we should be careful when we discuss a topic as sacred as the Holy Spirit. I think the most important, I think the most important thing is to recognize that the Holy Spirit is Almighty God. My Bible said that God is Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen? The Holy Spirit is God. Just as Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, the personification of Almighty God and is fully divine, so too the Holy Spirit is God and fully divine. Amen? The Bible clearly tells us in Acts chapter 17 and verse 24 that God who made the world and everything in it since He is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands, but He chose to come and make His habitation and His sanctuary within the heart and soul of men and women. Amen. Whew, what a, what a treat. What a treat, my friend. All oh, the Holy Spirit was seen active and moving and working throughout the New Testament writings. The Holy Spirit's actions fill the pages of the New Testament. From the very start, we see that John the Baptist and Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit as they grew and fulfilled their ministries. Amen. The Gospels are full of reminders that Jesus' ministry was empowered by the Spirit of God. The incredible events that unfold in the New Testament are the direct result of the Holy Spirit's working in the lives and hearts of men and women. 
In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came in a dramatic fashion, dramatic fashion to the disciples and empowered them in an unprecedented way. This came at a crucial moment, at a crucial time, just at God's divine time and the right time. Jesus returned from the dead and He gave these disciples an impossible task in the Great Commission and then He ascended back into heaven. The disciples had been commissioned but Jesus told them to wait. To wait until they received power from on high or from above if you will. And suddenly... The Holy Spirit came upon the first century disciples and they began telling the mighty works of God in multiple languages. Languages that they did not know and had not learned. Amen? Peter pointed out that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit had been promised in the Old Testament and now was fulfilled in the New Testament. You see, God's people had been waiting for the Holy Spirit to empower them and the long-awaited day had arrived. The Spirit of God was now working in humanity, not only on the leaders of Israel, but on all of God's people. And aren't you glad His Spirit still works today? Amen. Oh, how we need to long and to thirst for His Holy Spirit. We should never become contented and satisfied with our Walk with Him and with the state of our spirit, His Spirit living and abiding within us. We should always long for a closer walk with Him. Not only is the Holy Spirit responsible for the miraculous events recorded in the New Testament, but I want you to know that, as most of you probably already do, the Holy Spirit is also responsible for the writing of the Bible itself. Amen. Jesus told His disciples that the Spirit would remind them of what He had been teaching them. He said, I'm going to go away, but I won't leave you comfortless. I'm going to send a helper back to you that will teach you all things. That will bring all things back to your remembrance. The things that I have taught you. The things that kind of slipped in and kind of somehow slid back in the back corners of your mind. It's going to bring them forward and remind you of what I have taught you. The things remembered are the things that the disciples and their close associates recorded in the New Testament Gospels throughout the entire New Testament. Similarly, 2 Peter 1 and 21 tells us, as Peter writing under the direction of the Holy Spirit, he said, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Every detail, every detail, every detail, that is written in the text of Scripture, even down to seemingly mundane grammatical features, is inspired by God and is therefore authoritative. Authoritative. Amen? Everything. Every comma, every colon, every semicolon, every period is by God's direction. While it is true God used the personalities and other characteristics of 
human authors in recording Scripture, even these human words are referred to as the Spirit speaking. Amen. Let's take a couple minutes and think about the working, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was ministering on earth, there was no doubt that he was working toward the fulfillment of God's plan of redemption. One might have expected Jesus to continue ministering. And he got a good thing started, had a good thing going. He was healing the sick, opening the blinded eyes. Man, folks were just coming from every direction, everywhere. He was gathering more and more followers all the time, had a good thing going on. And finally completing the redemption that the world was longing for. But it didn't end that way. However, just when it seemed that redemption was a possibility, Jesus left. He was gone. However, the plan of redemption was not cut short, as one might suspect. Jesus left when He did because that was part of the plan. That was part of the plan. No doubt Jesus stunned these first century disciples when He said to them, You know what, fellas, i got to tell you. One day they're around there and He's talking to them. He said, You know, it's going to be good for you that I go away. What? Yeah, it'll be better for you if I leave. Now that statement in and of itself doesn't make much sense from a human perspective. But He said, It is expedient for you that I go away. Because when I do, I'm going to send the Comforter back. In other words, if I may paraphrase, I am going to take up residence within you instead of being alongside of you. I'm moving in. Amen. That kind of sounds exciting, doesn't it? He said, it's better for you that I leave. How could such a thing be? It doesn't make sense. How could Jesus leaving make things better? Man, we're just getting rolling. I mean, folks are just, we're having revival. I mean, people just getting saved and are getting healed. And man, I'm telling you, we, we have, we, I mean, we're having church like nobody's ever had church before. And you think it's better that you go? How could Jesus' mission on earth possibly proceed more effectively without him? Jesus explained it this way in John chapter 16 and verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Why? Because when He goes away, He's going to send the Holy Spirit back and take up residence. He said, for if I go away, the Helper will come. Or if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send Him to you. The Helper being the Holy Spirit. How many of you glad for the, for the Helper today? Amen. Jesus sent us His Spirit so that we can fulfill His plan and purpose on the earth. We did not receive the Holy Spirit just so we could feel good and have fun and get excited and clap our hands and do the things that we do in church. Oh, I was doing good till there, wasn't I? That's not why He gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to continue His mission on the earth. Well, I thought it was to make me feel good. Have those danglies going up and down my spine. The 
The Holy Spirit dwells inside of his people, just as God dwelt in the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament, so that the Holy Spirit can work through us. Amen. You see, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit is not a special gift for a few, but rather it is God's gift to all who will receive it. Amen. It's a gift to all who will receive it. Paul said it very simply in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. And I don't know how anybody can twist this and, and, and make a mess of it, but I, I know there's probably some that can. But here's what he said. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Self-explanatory, right? I don't even need to talk about that line phrase very much. Listen to what he goes on to say. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Draw me closer to you. Draw me closer to you from where I am. You see, the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential for you and I's fulfilling the mission that we have been given. We cannot fulfill the mission without the power of His Holy Spirit in our lives. Unless the Holy Spirit gives us the power to faithfully follow Jesus, we will follow in the footsteps of disobedient Israel. We'll be just like them. Put this up on the screen, Brother Bordeaux. I want you to know something here I've highlighted and want you. So great is our need for the Holy Spirit that we are commanded to walk in the Spirit, as is recorded in Galatians 5 and 16. We are commanded to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. We are commanded to pray in the Spirit in Jude verse 20. And Paul also said that we are commanded to put sin to death by the Spirit in Romans chapter 8 and verse 13, among many other things. Oh, how desperately we need the power of His Holy Spirit in our lives. You see, the Holy Spirit secures our faithfulness to the very end. And I know we have the mindset and we often think, well, I received the Spirit at one point in my life and I gave my heart to Jesus. I was baptized and received His Holy Spirit and was born again and all that stuff. But we need to continue to strengthen and enhance that experience and that relationship with Jesus Christ. Even the assurance that we are God's children comes from the testimony of the Holy Spirit, as Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. In Romans chapter 7 chapter 8, well, if you haven't read those lately, you need to go and read Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8. And not, not right now, not while I'm preaching, okay? And, uh, but go sometime this week and read them. Paul contrasted the life that is lived in the flesh that is apart from the Spirit of God with the life that is lived in the Spirit. And what a contrast it is. And my friends, the difference is nothing short of staggering. Amen. The Holy Spirit is God's mission. You see, God's plan of redemption marches on. Amen. God's plan of redemption marches on. With or without us, it marches on. And He's using the Holy Spirit in the lives of His people to do His work. You see, the church's mission is too difficult to accomplish it without relying on the Holy Spirit. 
I'm going to tell you right now, I recognized and learned a long time ago that I am very ineffective when it comes to changing people. But oh, what God can do. What His Holy Spirit can do sometimes leaves me speechless and blows me away. The church's mission, my friend, is too difficult to accomplish without relying on the Holy Spirit. Our mission is too important to attempt it without His power. We simply cannot fulfill the Great Commission without seeking and deepening our, our experience in the Holy Spirit. Amen. However, we do need to be careful that our pursuit of the Holy Spirit leads towards Jesus Christ and not away from Him. Amen? We need to be careful that our pursuit of the Holy Spirit leads us toward Jesus Christ and not away from Him. In His Gospel, John tells us that the aim of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus Christ. Like a spotlight, the Holy Spirit focuses the attention on Jesus Christ and His salvation. Amen. Therefore, we should not separate the work of the Holy Spirit from the work of Jesus Christ. They are one and the same. Amen. If we're not led to love and trust Jesus Christ more in our experience and our claim and walk in the Holy Spirit, it's likely that we're out of step with the Holy Spirit. Amen. As the praise team makes their way forward, I close with these few final thoughts. Or Brother David, I'm sorry. You see, the Holy Spirit can do unbelievable things in and through us. How many of you believe that? If you don't believe that, you need to come to the altar. The Holy Spirit can do unbelievable things in and through us. The miracles recorded in the New Testament often inspire us to pursue similar experiences today. However, I want you to listen to me carefully. Keep in mind that it is the Holy Spirit we're pursuing, not a specific supernatural experience. Amen. It is the Holy Spirit I'm pursuing, not a particular experience. As you seek to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, look to the promises of God's Word. Trust the Holy Spirit to show His power however He wants to. It may be in the quiet stillness of the moment when God's power is so rich and so real. Maybe in a still, small voice. Trust the Holy Spirit to show His power however He wants to. More often than not, the Holy Spirit guides us by shaping who we are. Aren't you glad He shaped you and fashioned you? If you ever stop for a moment and think back where the Lord has brought you from and where you are today, boy, it's mind-boggling, isn't it? He gives us new desires so that we gradually begin to live with the goal of glorifying God in all of our decisions. I understand this doesn't look as dramatic as healing the sick or foretelling the future prophecy and all that, but it's every bit as miraculous. 
So I ask, as you stand this morning, are we seeking the Holy Spirit working in the life of our church? Are we seeking the Holy Spirit working in the life of our church? And are we desperately longing for the power of the Holy Spirit today? Oh, I long for His Spirit to work in powerful ways. But we will not experience the fullness of the power of His Holy Spirit unless we seek for Him, we long for Him, and we desire And we just yield ourselves to Him completely and fully. If you're here this morning and you've never experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the only thing I can tell you is you don't know what you're missing. And I would invite you and encourage you to yield and surrender your life to Jesus Christ and allow Him to fill you with His Holy Spirit. Child of God, if you're here this morning and it's been so much that has drawn you away from your relationship and your closeness and your intimacy with the Holy Spirit, would you take a few moments this morning and allow Him to minister to you and pull you up close and remind you once again of the glory and the power and the freshness of His Holy Spirit. I spent this entire last week with that prayer song that we opened with just a few moments ago going over and over and over in my head. I would get down to pray and there it would be. I would get my Bible out and begin to read and study and there it would be. Draw me closer, draw me closer, draw me closer. And oh, how it reminded me, as he often does, how much I need his Holy Spirit. For through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can accomplish the mission that is set before us. I can't do it. There's no way I can do it on my own. But I know I can if I let Him do it through me. And I know you can if you fill with His Spirit and let Him do the work through you. See, God is able to do everything. There's nothing too hard for Him. And only through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit can we be saved. So I urge you today to seek after all that God has for you through His Holy Spirit. Seek all that He has for you through His Spirit. As we worship for a moment, would you let the Holy Spirit minister to you right now? Brother David. Draw me closer to you. Draw me closer. From where I am, draw me closer to you. As I 
Bye. Bye. Bye.